This podcast, it's sponsored by River. You can securely buy Bitcoin, purchase your mining rigs, and even access the Lightning Network at river.com. To get started, use the link in the show notes to get up to $10,000 in bonuses on River. And that link is partner.river.com backslash Podcast. And we thank you, River. The least amount of time that we can be in custody of any money from our, our customers, the better. You've got like, you go to McDonald's and they've got custody of your money before you get your food. We're aiming for like that level of speed. It, it's about 30 seconds from the time that you send an e-transfer to the time that you get your Bitcoins. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Why Bitcoin Podcast, the podcast where we question everything, but mainly, why Bitcoin? I'm your host, my name's Jeff, joined here today with my <laughs> maniacal co-host, Doug. Doug, are you going to use that one? Man, we got to get you a new list. I, I need a new list. I was about to say wonderful again. How are you doing today, Doug? Hello. Yes. How are you, friend? I'm good. Do you know what we have on today? We have a, this is a, what's the word? A new record. A new, a, a new, new, a high, a high, a high record. Today on the show, we're joined by Bitcoin Brains, Dave Bradley. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. So the, the record we just hit, I think if we go back and check the tapes, I think Dave is the most OG Bitcoiner we've ever had on the show. Oh, okay. The mostest OGist, if uh, if time if time tells. So that's something that's exciting to me, Dave. I just I like talking to Bitcoiners, and I think it's fascinating the people that figured it out early. So I might I might yeah. Some of my questions tonight are just about being in the space for so long, and just watching everything as it happened because I'm somewhat of a Bitcoin. Like when I, when I started my journey, as it were, I just went back and pretended like I was alive in the past and watched all the videos from 2016 and every, every piece of content that I could find from before. And so anybody that lived through those times, like we had, um, obviously, you know, Guy Swan, Guy Swan's one of those, but I think you're older than Guy Swan. So just, uh, yeah, man, it, it's fucking cool. So, so we'll get into it. Um, what else do I say? Oh, uh, if this is your first time listening no, none of this is financial advice. You should do your own research, buy as much Bitcoin as you can before the end of the world. Okay, Dave. So I like to think, and this is the first one, man. I like to think it's the end of the world, that everything's exploding around us. And being a Bitcoiner for so long, you probably have watched the downfall of civilization with a keener eye than most, especially watching the up movement of Bitcoin. But my more particular question is, one thing I've decided to do uh, in my Bitcoin life is to all the people that I tried to explain Bitcoin to, like close family members, people I care about that have kind of written me off and said, you're an idiot for being a Bitcoiner. I've put aside sats for them. Like, don't even tell them just, I bought you sats. I'm going to give them to you when you're older. I have two younger cousins that are uh, 11 or 12 years old. So I'll give them. I'll give them some sats when they when they turn 18 or whatever, because I talk to their parents and they're just not having Bitcoin at all. They just don't want that conversation. They're over it. 
But I know in my heart, it's important that my cousins have some sats when they grow up. So my question to you is, uh, did you do that for anybody in your life earlier on? And has it somewhat paid off where you were able to, to pass some sats on to somebody? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've given some gifts uh, back in the day of, you know, like a couple hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin, which was like 20 or 30 Bitcoins um, to some people who still have them. Um, and then like very early on, like the, the, the normal thing to do, I guess, was to send somebody one, you know, it's like here, just it's, when it was, you know, 10, 20 bucks, um, you're trying to get your friend involved and you just send them a Bitcoin. So there's a few friends out there who still have the one Bitcoin that I sent them in like 2011 or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, for me personally, that's the the biggest motivation to stack as many sets as I can is to have as much as I can to pass on to my son. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that, I think that's what we're all doing as parents is just stack as many as you can. Cause it's not really for you. We're, we're going to see it. We're really going to see it take place when our I don't know how, uh, I don't know if you want to share, how old is your son? He's seven. He's seven. Yeah. So, so, you know, I was watching a video today. I think it was, I think it was Gladstein or somebody. And they're saying, whether you like it or not, the kids that are being born today and the ones that are young now, are going to transact digitally. They're not going to use cash and they're not going to use coins. It's going to be digital. It's just a matter of, are they going to use the CBDC or are they going to use some sort of PayPal, Venmo, whatever the, whatever else, or are they going to use Bitcoin? It's going to be one of those three. And I think the most important thing we can do is make sure that most of them are using Bitcoin or at least lead them that way. Like, do you, do you think about, do you think we're going to see the end of paper money, coins, and that sort of thing? Like in our, I have a son that's uh, four and a half as well. So roughly the same age. So by the time that they're adults, do you think paper money will be completely obsolete? That's a good question. They're certainly going to try. Um, I feel like, especially uh, places like here in Western Canada, We've got a little bit more independent-minded uh, thinking culture. You know, we don't automatically trust the government quite as easily as a lot of places in North America do. Um, I think there's going to be some pretty serious pushback if and when they do start really cracking down on cash. Um, so far, like most of the movement to digital payments has been uh, driven by the fact that the digital payments are actually a lot better, right? So. Our, our current banking system, um, when it comes to making payments, is really good. And that's not really, like Bitcoin doesn't really compete with it. Um, it's, it's actually a lot worse at making payments in most circumstances than like our, our traditional banking system is. But uh, yeah, I think we're probably in for a push from the government to try to move us all onto those central bank digital currencies. And there is going to be a lot of pushback on that, but it's going to come down to like whether the, the government, the globalists, whoever you want to call them, whether they can get the incentives right. And, you know, there's a lot of people um, who got vaccinated because they wanted to travel. That was a small incentive the government got right. 
and the government's not very good at getting anything right, but uh, if they stumble on incentives that make the use of central bank digital currencies uh, necessary or attractive, then, uh, you know, we're going to have a longer road to Bitcoin adoption, probably. I don't think... I don't think Bitcoin is going to win as a payment tool. It's going to win as a monetary tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think of like, I, I had to get some work done on my car this weekend. Again, I'm having a lot of car issues. Um, <laughs> anybody that listened to last week, but the, the guy that came this time, I was like, Hey, can I send you an e-transfer? And then obviously I said, are you interested in Bitcoin? Uh, no to both. And he said, I don't do any computer stuff at all. I need cash. And I don't have any cash in my house. So for the first time in a long time, I had to take my bank card, drive to the bank, put in a piece of plastic, take out pieces of paper, and give this dude some pieces of paper for the work he has done. And it just felt so like primitive. So my question to you is like, it was weird, man. I'm like, you really want this shit? Like Canadian paper? You want, this is what, okay, here you go. Um, you know why he did that, right? I mean. Well, cash is better than, than yeah, I understand. But somebody that wants cash is exactly, and this guy was saying all the right things. I'm like, this guy is a Bitcoiner. You know, when you meet somebody, you're like, oh, this guy, person's going to be a Bitcoiner if they're not a Bitcoiner yet. But he was just too old to, to kind of get the computer side of it. So I think, uh, Dave, that you're right, that the incentive and that the ease of use is going to be so key in getting people to use it. Because if the CBDC comes along and it's way easier, like most of the masses just want ease of use. That's all it is. I just want something that's easy, right? And cash is easy. So if they make the CBDC easier to use than Bitcoin, I guess that's somewhat of an attack vector. I suppose is that is that what what you kind of think is just and so what we'll get into what you're doing I guess actually maybe this is a good good time to ask that question at Bitcoin well you guys are trying to uh, make ease of use it, I, it seems like that's one of your keys so maybe we can jump into that what is Bitcoin well what are you guys doing there and uh, what's yeah what are your goals for for the Bitcoin well yeah so uh, Bitcoin well is a non-custodial Bitcoin company. Um, we sell Bitcoin through uh, a bunch of different methods um, where the company was founded and uh, where a lot of our, our core business still is, is with Bitcoin ATMs. We've got uh, a little under 300 all across Canada. Um, and we've recently launched uh, an online portal where people can buy Bitcoin, uh, just, just like many other of the online portals that are out there. Um, but we've decided to uh, really focus on on sort of like the ease of use and the speed of the transaction. So, you know, as I mentioned, we're non-custodial and that's very important. We don't want to be holding our customers' money. Uh, we don't want to be in a position where uh, the money could be lost or stolen. And, uh, you know, we've obviously seen a million versions of that in this space. Um, and so we think that the least amount of time that we can be in custody of any money from our, our customers, the better. You know, you, you can't really ever do a commercial transaction without some form of custody. You've got like, you go to McDonald's, you pay, you wait, and and they've got custody of your money before you get your food. Um, we're aiming for like that level of speed. And so once your account's all set up, 
it, it's about 30 seconds from the time that you send an e-transfer to the time that you get your Bitcoins in your own self-custodied wallet. And so that's a big part of our focus is making that on and off ramp as smooth as possible. And then the next big piece that we're attacking is that usability and, you know, what can you do with your Bitcoin? So we've got a service, for example, um, where you can, you can pay your, your bills, uh, you can pay your credit card, your phone bill, whatever online. Uh, we've got another service where you can buy gift cards online and ultimately, um, we're building an app that will sort of combine all these things with the goal of being the simplest possible tool to buy, sell, and use your Bitcoin. Okay. I have, I have so many questions on just that. Um, first, the first one that comes to mind is as far as the ATMs go, is there any competition or if I see a Bitcoin ATM, there's one in a corner store, like five minute walk from my house. Is that a Bitcoin well ATM or is there other companies making the ATMs? Yeah. So we don't make the ATMs. We just, we, we, we operate them. Um, okay. And yeah, there's a bunch, there's about 60 companies in Canada that oh, okay. operate Bitcoin ATMs. Um, we're the second largest. Um, and we're also unique in that we were the first Bitcoin ATM company in the world to go public uh, last summer. 2021. And so we, yeah, we've been listed on the TSX venture stock exchange as uh, BTCW for almost two years now. Right on. Okay. So um, maybe this is just the specific ATM that's close to my place, but the markup on the, the price of Bitcoin is insane that it just like, I don't see any use, like, even though it's you know, KYC somewhat free and all that shit. The markup is so extreme that I'd rather find Bitcoin in other ways. Is that something that Bitcoin well ATMs uh, struggle with as well? Do you guys have to charge a crazy upcharge on, yeah. on the price? Yeah, we. I mean, we do. That's like we, we charge a lot um, on the price because it's kind of like a convenience product. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. it's definitely not the cheapest way, but it is the fastest and safest way to get Bitcoin. You know, that that is even shorter time frame than our online product. You put your, put your cash in, you immediately get the Bitcoins out. Um, so it's kind of like buying laundry detergent at 7-Eleven. You know what I mean? Like you can, you could find it cheaper elsewhere, but for people who want it now, it's the solution to, to that. Or, and, and people who want to use cash. Mm, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess cash would be, I was, I was going to say, cause that seems like that'll be, sort of a, a dying trend as well because the eat like if the if the main point was that it's just convenience all these apps are going to take over the convenience i guess the only case where you'd want an atm is if, if your phone was dead which in which case you'd still need a phone to receive them so i'm just trying to i don't know man the the atms i f do you feel like they're they they still have i don't want to like if anything is a conflict of interest to your business or anything, just let me know. But uh, yeah. do you do you feel like these ATMs have a space in the in the next five ten years, or are these things going to get you know rounded out as being kind of unnecessary? Um, you know, I I I see a space for them, and I I see that evolving kind of in parallel with apps like the one that we're building, in that. The ATMs can really like they're they're a they're a physical terminal that takes cash, and so the ATMs ultimately can be a tool for really any kind of financial services, and you know anything that they can do at like a money mart or a check cashing place is something that we could technically do on an ATM as well. 
And so we build our own ATM software and we're, we're working on all kinds of stuff like that. Um, I think they have to evolve in that direction, especially as the, you know, the, the attack on cash comes. Um, but I don't think we're really seeing a slowdown in the industry overall. Uh, there was like massive, massive growth of new deployments of ATMs right up until about 2021. And that's, that's slowed down quite significantly because I think we've kind of reached like saturation level. And like there's a Starbucks on every corner. You're always you're always pretty close to a Bitcoin ATM in a major city nowadays. So mm-hmm. uh, just just like you are with like a regular cash ATM. So it's uh, it's got to evolve, I guess, would be my answer. Yeah, that's fair. It is weird, man. Like uh, being a new Bitcoiner, you think you there's none of these ATMs anywhere, and then once once you start looking for them, they really are everywhere. I think I think you're right. I think yeah, the saturation is at a peak point where if you want to find one, they're, they're and it and you're in a major city they really are close by and i do like that idea because we're gonna see more and more guy like i i come from the just construction business you know guys work in whatever laborious jobs where a lot of guys prefer to get paid cash for multitude of reasons so we're gonna see a lot i think we're only gonna see that advance more and more people getting cash and so if that happens yeah we'll we'll, we'll want those atms that's fair Okay. I, I appreciate that idea. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I always think about it, but yeah, there's going to be a bunch of people that at some point are going to try and drain their bank accounts of cash because they're going to lose faith in the banking system. And then they're going to be sitting on all this cash and then they're going to learn about Bitcoin and the ATM is going to be like this shining light to go to. So yeah, that, that that's excellent. Um, my next question is about the bills payment then that you guys are working on. And you worked with, I, I kind of want to get into your, what you did with Francis and Bull Bitcoin because they have similar product with bills, B-Y-L-L-S. Are you guys using the same the same program or is it something completely different? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's functionally the same thing. Like the user pays Bitcoin, we then buy the Bitcoin off of them and uh, then pay the bill. So, Okay. So, yeah. Yes, same idea. Just send Bitcoin and then person pays bill. That's cool. And you can do, oh, can you do it with just a regular credit card? Because this is something I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Like just just regular credit card payment, I can get that paid off with Bitcoin? Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Okay. You can pay sweet. your phone bill, any anything you want. Okay. Right on. Right on. I am going to take advantage of that. Okay. I kind of want to get into, uh, yeah, you're starting off with Francis and how that came to be and I also want to know why you decided to leave. So can you tell me like the beginning days of bull Bitcoin, what you guys were trying to create is bull Bitcoin, what you wanted it to be. And then why did you decide to leave? Yeah. So uh, I guess going to the beginning, like we, we had this in mind that we wanted to create like a super company for Bitcoin in Canada. And we actually had um, some early talks with some other companies that we, we thought about, sort of merging in and creating one larger company, one of which was uh, was Bitcoin Solutions, which is now Bitcoin Well, talking with Adam. And we didn't really find the right terms that would, that would work to roll that in. But yeah, I mean, the vision was like this Bitcoin maximalist, like, don't give a fuck, uh, you know, Bitcoin at all costs uh, ideology. And I, I definitely think bull Bitcoin has accomplished that. I think bull Bitcoin has most of the like very hardcore users in Canada are probably customers of bull Bitcoin. Um, and then 
yeah, why I left. Um, originally, I'd had a uh, another ATM company, uh, Bitcoin ATM company, come to me and say, "Hey, can you build us the software for the Bitcoin ATMs? The software that's on there now is terrible." And we scoped it out and thought about doing it within Bull Bitcoin, and then it looked like it was just not going to fit on the roadmap. And then I basically decided, you know, like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and do this. I'm gonna build this software. And uh, I talked to Adam, the CEO of Bitcoin Well, Adam O'Brien, and I was talking to him as like a potential customer of the software they wanted to build. And he was like, oh, I'm already kind of started building some software and uh, maybe we should partner up on this. And so Adam and I ended up partnering up on uh, a company called Ghost Lab that we set up to build the Bitcoin ATM software. Uh, we later rolled that in right around the time that we took the company public into Bitcoin Well. So it's now like the in-house sort of software arm of Bitcoin Well. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where the journey took me. Okay, right on. So are you, <laughs> we can edit this out too, but are you and Francis still on like good terms then? It was all, all, oh, all yeah. good? Oh, okay. That's yeah, yeah. Fr- that's Francis great. is one of my best friends. And okay, right on. I, uh, I, I love uh, when I get to see him. It's not, not as often as it used to be, unfortunately. Yeah, man. He's, uh, he's one of my favorites. We're going <laughs> to, I have him uh, anyways. I'll talk to you about that later. Um, oh shit. I lost what I was going to say. Sorry. Let me check my notes here. Just, um, oh yes. Okay. This is, this is kind of a weird question, but I kind of want to see what your answer to it is. So you, you bring up the idea of Bitcoin maximalist, um, which I consider myself to be Doug as well. We all are here. That's what we aim to strive for with our podcast. Um, and I think, you know, you put Bitcoin well and bull Bitcoin is on the mission of Bitcoin. And we all kind of know in the back of our mind what that mission is. But if you had to put it in words, how would you describe what the Bitcoin mission is? Hmm. Well, I would say that Bitcoin is the most important invention in human history. Hell yeah. It's really, you know, you, the way that you could look at it, like, you know, computer, the internet's more important than computers, which is more important than power, but none of those would have been possible without each other. Right. So, but I feel like it's the most important thing that's ever been done with power. It's the most important thing that's ever been done with the internet. It's the most important thing that's ever been done with computers. And the reason that it's that important is because money is the context for all human interaction, right? Like we couldn't have a society without the concept of money and money is intended to provide a link between a person's actions and efforts and their outcome. And our current system where money has been perverted to the point where a small group of looters can essentially print themselves as much money as they want. Um, That link between a person's efforts and their outcome, it doesn't even really exist these days. And Bitcoin can bring us back to that. And Bitcoin, uh, the mission of Bitcoin, I guess, is literally to save the world. If we didn't have Bitcoin, I would be very depressed about the state of the world right now. Hell yes, man. <laughs> that that was very well said. Um, you're getting a little quiet on your mic. I'm not sure if. Let me adjust it here. Yeah. How about how about now? That's that's good. Yeah, it's, it was kind of going in and out. I wasn't sure if there was something going on. Um, 
Yeah, man, that's well said. It's just without Bitcoin, we're fucked, basically. But you said it in a much more beautiful way. So I appreciate that for sure. <laughs> that, that's how I feel, man. It's weird because, you know, when you're talking to non-Bitcoiners and they just don't get it. And it's nice to hear Bitcoiners just say like, yeah, Bitcoin's the most important thing. Because if you don't have a good money, then you, your whole society is fucked. So here's hoping that more and more people understand that. Okay, uh, <laughs> I missed a question about Bitcoin well that I wanted to hit. And you might have absolutely no uh, answer to this. But I went to, I'm in, I'm in uh, Alberta now. And I went to the West Edmonton Mall on a little trip last summer. And on the way, there was a... A big old billboard for Bitcoin. I was like, ah, you know, whenever you see Bitcoin in the wild, they like Bitcoin, yay. And it was for Bitcoin well, so that was cool. And in West Edmonton Mall, there was one store that sold like funny little odds and ends and trinkets. And they had Bitcoin accepted here sign, which I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to go buy something for sure. Because I had never bought anything with Bitcoin at that point. And I went in, I was like, okay, let me talk to the Bitcoin person. Um because I don't want to talk to somebody that doesn't know Bitcoin. I want to make this thing happen. And the girl's like, oh yeah, I'm the, I'm the Bitcoin person. I was like, okay, sweet. So I'm talking to her and then I'm like, okay, we're going to make this transaction in Bitcoin. This is going to be awesome. And I'm talking to her and she said that I needed to have a specific wallet in order to make the transaction. I was like, uh, that's not how this works. And they said that it was somebody from Bitcoin well that went to the store to help them set it up. So I'm curious, I don't know how big of a company Bitcoin Well is, if you happen to know who went to West Edmonton Mall to like preach the good word, but there's somebody in that store that doesn't know how Bitcoin works and it was very upsetting to me. So it's just, I don't know, if you, I, I don't know if you can put any input on that or just like give a word out to your, your boys at Bitcoin Well and say like, yo, this store is not doing shit right because She's like, oh yeah, uh, it only works if you have this specific wallet and I have to take down all this information. And I'm like, oh, this is this is not Bitcoin. I, I, I refuse to do this. I'm not downloading some particular wallet. Like that's not going to work. So yeah, I, I don't know. I have no okay. idea what that would be. Okay, um, That's not like, that's not something that we do as a business, like setting up stores yeah. to take Bitcoin. Okay. Um, but it could just be, it could be a couple things. I think it could be um, somebody from the company who set something up on their own time. I'll find. I'll see if I can figure it out. But like, yeah, I have no idea. Okay. We, we don't. Uh, we don't have any kind of proprietary wallets or anything like that. So. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I just figured while I had you here, I'm gonna, it, it was, it yeah. was, it was a very exciting moment in my life to see a Bitcoin accepted here sign, and then it just came crashing down. So I figured while oh. I had, while I had the Bitcoin well guy here i'd ask him but yeah no i i think it was more uh she just didn't know what the fuck she was doing and she was pretending that she did as some <laughs> people do so it, it is yeah. what it is no stress there okay i want to go more uh back into the past and just your your life as a bitcoiner um and ask this question kind of like how we talked about the the atms getting to a certain point have you felt like the innovation in the Bitcoin space at large has been accelerating more quickly, or do you think it's kind of reached a peak? Do you see, I, I asked because like we have, there's probably what, maybe 10 different uh, companies you can buy Bitcoin with in Canada, probably hundreds worldwide. They're all getting better and better. Eventually we're probably going to get to a point where it's just, which sounds like what Bitcoin well is, you know, push button, buy Bitcoin, the end. 
So do you think we're, do you think there's still a lot of innovation to come in the Bitcoin space or do you feel like it's started to round, round out at all? Just being somebody that's been here for so long. Yeah. I mean, I think that I I've had this conversation with a lot of people about this idea of this just sort of general app that can do it all in Bitcoin. And you know, that, that could be a non-custodial wallet could allow you to buy and sell Bitcoin very easily as well as use it on a variety of things like the bill payments and whatnot, all built into one app. Um, I feel like that's where a bunch of different companies are kind of heading. Um, but I think the majority of the companies in the space that their, their main business is selling Bitcoin, um, have gotten very distracted with all the, the casino coins, you know, I'm getting rid of the term shit coin, calling them casino coins from now on. <laughs> why, and, why, uh, why, why are you doing that? Why you don't like well, shit coin? When you, when you, um, when you're talking to a normie and you use the term shit coin, it's like their guard goes up. And it becomes very easy for the other guy who's peddling crypto to be the friendly face and the, being the friendly face to this asshole Bitcoiner who's closed minded and all, all this stuff. And I just don't feel like the term shitcoin is doing a service to the people that we're trying to describe what shitcoins are. And so I think the term casino coin is something that most people can relate to because that's basically what it is, right? It's just like they, they pretend to have all these different innovations and in blockchain, this and that. But like when it comes right down to it, it's just a bunch of people gambling on price. Mm -hmm. And I think when you put that that way to a, a person who's not been exposed to the space, it's a lot easier to see, you know, what the difference between Bitcoin and casino coins is. Interesting. I like that take. Okay. Yeah. So sorry, I cut you off. You were, you were talking about how all the other companies are heading more towards a future of shilling these casino coins. It was yeah. You know, they've like the, these companies have put a lot of work into building staking platforms and supporting like 50 different blockchains and having, you know, whatever the latest NFT or, or, or everything else. And really those things, you know, those of us who can see clearly all understand will just be things of the past, like the ICO days, you know, it'll be something that it, it was the, the scam of the day. And uh, yeah, I think that a lot of effort has been wasted in those directions, which in a way provides like an opportunity for those of us who are working actually on Bitcoin and on apps adjacent to Bitcoin that make it more useful. And uh, yeah, I guess in terms of the pace, I'm hopeful that there are more people, more companies starting to see that path uh, and not getting so distracted by all the other stuff. Right on. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> I was in a, a spaces the other day and it was like a bunch of hardcore maximalists and a few Web3 guys. And the Web3 guy goes, okay, well, what about the, the coins that aren't shit coin? Like, what about the ones that aren't Bitcoin and aren't shit coins? You know, like the 
the good ones. And I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about, you moron? And yeah, that, that's probably not the right way to uh, go about talking to people that are trying to learn. I, I went back after and I was like, listen, man, they're all shit coins because they're not big. You know, you, you give the whole spiel. But yeah, I wonder if cause I wonder if casino coin would be a good way to do it. D- Doug, are you there? I'm kind of curious what you think. Doug, what do you think of the term casino coin? Uh, well, I can see, I can see Dave's point, uh, but I just don't give a shit anymore. Like (laughs) (laughs) I am, I'm not, I I am definitely more in like the Svetsky camp of, uh, remnant, you know, like people will, people will buy it at the the level they deserve. And if a phrase like shitcoin turns them off, then they weren't ready to hear it anyways. That's like I said, I, I see what Dave is saying. Um, and given that he's much more invested in like getting people on board and like, that's part of his, his, uh, what do you want to say a business structure or whatever? It's like, as far as I'm concerned, the less people that buy it means there's more for me. So fuck them. I don't care. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It, like I literally make money by selling people Bitcoin. And so, right. The more yeah. And so I do, I do see it. Bitcoin, it's not that I don't see it. Yeah. It's just, it's like, I've had, I don't know. Maybe it's just, it's the last two years of everything, Dave. And I've actually, I listened to, uh, you talk to Svetsky with, um, uh, crap. Why am I blanking on his name right now? Jeff, Fran- help me. Francis was on that one. Yeah. Francis. Right. And, uh, and, and that is really where like my complete lack of empathy has sort of generated, you know, that whole idea <laughs> of if you guys can't get it by now, forget it. So. Yeah. And well, the, you know, the, um, I guess, short story, Isaiah's job, um, from which the, the term the remnant comes, um, it does basically say, like, leave the sheep to die. <laughs> and so, yeah. I guess, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you don't, I, I, I guess I, I, I do both of those things. Uh, the, the other thing that it says not to do is don't seek out the remnant. And I, I very aggressively seek out the remnant. Even that, like the ending of that, that podcast you're talking about, I think the last thing that I said was like, we are real and we will find you. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, so I, I definitely seek out the remnant. Um, and I proselytize to the sheep. And I benefit from both of those things. Yeah. So I think... Uh, it might be a little bit of heresy, but I'm willing to, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to spend the time on normies, whether they deserve it or not. So See, that you... makes you a better person than me, dude. So <laughs> That's my question, man. Like, fuck, dude. It's been 10 years or, I don't know, 400 years that you've been in Bitcoin. Yeah, me and Doug are both kind of, we, we went... I definitely went through, I'll speak for myself. I went through that phase where I was, you know, uh, preaching the good word of Bitcoin, telling everybody I knew, letting them know uh, the glory that is. And you get beat down so many times that you just, yeah, you want to give up. So what is it in you that that makes you want to keep going, that you continue to um, <laughs> deal with, you know, the masses, the sheep, whatever, whatever you want to call them, just the general public, I guess. Well, yeah, why? Yeah, I, I mean, I am actually kind of stingy with my Bitcoin pitches. Like, I don't, I don't pitch. Like, 
most people that I meet on Bitcoin. Um, unless I see like a really strong interest in someone or I really, really like someone, um, I'm probably not going to give them a Bitcoin pitch. And I think that's like, that's something that a lot of people get burnt out on is, you know, it's like year two of Bitcoin where you, you, you feel like you know what you're talking about and you're like, okay, I'm going to go and convert every single person that I know because this is awesome and I need to help them. And a lot of those people that are like reasonable people that you've known for a long time um, will give you the stupidest answers for why they don't want to get into Bitcoin. And you just kind of get slapped back and forth. And I think like that's what you're discussing with your, you know, the, the, uh, with, with your family there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that really wears on people and gets people to that like bucket spot more quickly is because like, it's just exhausting how stupid people are sometimes. <laughs> yes. So how do, how do you, how do you <laughs> overcome that, man? That's my question. How do you overcome um, them? You just, like, you just don't, don't talk don't, to everybody. Don't pitch Bitcoin to stupid people. Yeah, I agree. That's like, but you, there are so when, many of them, Dave, when we'll never when win. When your Uber driver <laughs> starts telling you about Solana, you just nod. You don't get into it like just just smile smile and wave as they drive away yeah man yeah. No, i i get that so so you this is something i keep trying to say and i don't know if anybody agrees with me but you probably will understand this when you meet somebody you can kind of you get a vibe of whether or not this person is going to understand and or appreciate Bitcoin. So do you kind of instinctively feel that now when you meet somebody? Is there something in your head that says like, this is a good person to talk to Bitcoin about? And what what yeah. is it that, that you see in them? Yeah, I mean, like a like a highly rational person. <laughs> yes. Um, someone who can communicate effectively and, you know, somebody who adds value to the conversation, whether it's about Bitcoin or something else, like, those are the people that deserve a really good Bitcoin pitch. Yeah. And when they ask the right questions, it just feels so good. There's uh, one guy that is almost fully orange filled now. And he's just, you can, you can tell, right? You ask them about Bitcoin and then a couple of days later, they'll start asking the right questions and it feels so good. So yeah, man, I, I, I definitely get that. Uh, okay. Well, I, I kind of want to go back again to your, your journey as a Bitcoiner. Because you are so anti-casino coin, um, this is kind of a basic question that we ask a lot of guests is like, tell us about your shitcoin phase. But for you, I'm kind of curious because when you came into Bit, well, when you came into Bitcoin, were there any other coins? I'm not even sure exactly what the date was when the first one came out. So were there any? And then what was your opinion on uh, altcoins? I guess you'd call them at that at that time. Uh, yeah, and what was the development of the understanding of other coins like for for you? Yeah, um, Litecoin came out right around the time that I got into the space. I don't remember whether it was just before or after. Um, I think there was a few others before that, but Litecoin was the first one that ever really like took off. Um, it, yeah, I mean. I, I didn't have like a, a nuanced understanding of Bitcoin at the time or of Litecoin. Um, I was 
largely still looking at it as a payment tool, which um, was a pretty common view back then. Um, we didn't have the Bitcoin standard. We didn't have, you know, all this massive amount of education about money that's now so accessible within the Bitcoin space. Um, but my general view when Litecoin came out, even though it wasn't like a thorough understanding, is I was kind of like, I don't see why there needs to be two, right? Like it just does the same thing as Bitcoin. And so that like at first I kind of wrote it off that way. Um, and then in, in 2013, we opened our store, Bitcoin Brains, um, which I think was the first like physical brick and mortar Bitcoin store in the world. Um, we had miners and all kinds of stuff for sale. And we had, uh, we, we obviously sold Bitcoin as well. Um, we got a big bull run in like December, November of 20, uh, 2013. Mm-hmm. And Every time we get a bull run, and this is still true to this day, the businesses like Bitcoin Well and back then Bitcoin Brains get like a massive influx of new customers because you get all these people jumping on the hype train. Um, What was really interesting was that there were probably more people coming in for Litecoin Hmm. for like a two week period there. And they were like, they were the like DGEN gambling types looking back like it was... (laughs) It was really people looking to like make a quick buck and you know, some of them did really well and some of them did really poorly. Cause it, I think Litecoin shot up to like $40 and then crashed to like three within like a couple months. And uh, yeah, it, it really did. Like if you, if you're ever out and you've got that one friend who like loves the VLTs and can't stay away, it was like, that's what it felt like. Um, looking back and then yeah i had like a like most people at the time messed around with all kinds of different coins and you know the 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 common stage that people always go through is this stage where they're like you know i'm a smart person i can i can evaluate the uh the merits of these different coins and make a decision about which one's going to perform the best and all this stuff and you start doing all this research and trying to figure out what the next big thing is and really people get just completely distracted from like the whole point of the whole space. And I think that's a pretty common journey that people go through before they get burned and then become Bitcoin maximalists. And I, uh, I'm sure I lost some money on some casino coins at some point, but I never really got burned in like a giant fiasco crash or anything like that. Um, so I was lucky in that sense, but I think, I think that's what it takes for a lot of people is like some pain to learn. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so curious then, like looking back, you know, us new quote unquote, newer Bitcoiners class of 2020, as it were, it's, we have so much information. It's so easy to go back and take a look at what's happened in the space and what you can kind of look forwards from what you had. My question is back in the first, I guess, quote unquote, the first bull run, what was that like to live through that? Was it the first major run-up? Did you guys think like, this is it, it's going to the moon and it's never coming down? And then, of course, uh, after that, what was the first major crash? Like, did you lose, did, did you have any point in your own life where you're like, oh no, this Bitcoin thing really is over? Or did you never really get concerned with uh, 
the price skyrocketing up and then crashing down like crazy. Not, obviously you know, now living through, you know, it's been three or however many of yeah. these cycles we've been through. So yeah, there, there you go back further. Um, and I got one like immediately when I came into Bitcoin. Um, I got into Bitcoin because um, I was looking up video cards for gaming. And this is right around the time that uh, GPU mining became a thing on Bitcoin. It had previously just been CPU mining. And, uh, you know, I found a forum post that was like, hey, with this, you know, this video card, you can mine Bitcoin. And uh, that got me digging. And it, it, like a lot of people, it was kind of just like a way to make some quick money when I first got in. And um, a couple days after I bought what was a more expensive video card to mine Bitcoin, uh, the price went from a dollar to $14. So like an absolutely massive pump. Um, and the, you know, the video card paid for itself in like six days or something like that. And, uh, yeah, that, that kind of got me hooked. Um, but yeah, shortly after that, it crashed from $14 down to $3. And that was a very emotional ride for me at the time. And, you know, I, I didn't really have much in, in like invested in Bitcoin other than this video card, but, um, every run like that, I think gets a little bit less emotional. You know, you don't have the crazy highs and lows. And basically the last two, I've just been like, don't really care. It's I'll be, I'll be here when this is done. <laughs> yeah. I hear you, man. And you know, it's guys like you that made it a lot easier for guys like me to, to live through the massive crash. I was convinced that we wouldn't see the teens again when I got in, you know, it was like, there's no way that it just can't happen. And then it did. And then you just remember, eh, you know, people have lived through this before. Just carry on. Everything's going to be a okay. It is what it is. And Bitcoin's just going to keep doing what Bitcoin does. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I couldn't imagine it just having the ability to look back and see other people have gone through it is something that's really helped me. So I just, I can't imagine having not had something to go back on. So I appreciate you for being one of the early adopters, as it were, man. You guys are important in my journey. Um, I'm kind of curious. Another question just about the, the whole life cycle of Bitcoin. Is there something that sticks out in your mind, whether it be a piece of content or a person or a book or something that came out that once that was released, you were like, Oh, this is gonna this is gonna be a major change. Bitcoin's gonna really hit critical mass now. Is there anything that that happened that like I don't know examples like I don't know Sailor or the Bitcoin Standard, something more personal that you realized that you thought was gonna be a massive um, adoption helper for Bitcoin? Anything you can think of like that? Um, in retrospect, the Bitcoin Standard was extremely massive for. Bitcoin and and all of us in Bitcoin. Um, when I read it, like I found the monetary history stuff really interesting, but I didn't really learn very much about like Bitcoin because I had you know been up to my neck in Bitcoin for many years at that point. But what the Bitcoin Center did so well was to put into words uh, what a lot of us knew and then to contextualize it with all of that history. Um, it's like, it's obviously the number one book that everyone recommends to like the, 
the intelligent and curious friends that want to actually learn about this stuff, right? So that one, I think for everyone will always be like a massive turning point. Um, there's, there's a pretty interesting moment that uh, is kind of down the veins, I guess, of, of where you're going with this. Um, this would have been maybe like 20, ooh, 2016, something like that. And um, it was kind of the start of the block size wars. And uh, there was this client called Bitcoin Unlimited that I believe included a block size increase and a hard fork or something like that at some point. And this newly released client was a, a, an attempt to get people to signal that they would support a hard fork. And uh, this is right around the time that I, I really started to get to know Francis. Um, we were talking, um, we had done a little bit of business together and whatnot before, uh, but we were talking about this Bitcoin Unlimited thing and, you know, we, we realized we had pretty similar ideas and we were like, no, we are not in for this, this block size increase. Um, this is bad news. And so we wrote this piece called, uh, I want to say it's like Canada says no to Bitcoin Unlimited. And we actually got uh, something like 15, 16 companies in Canada to sign this letter that we wrote, basically like rejecting this Bitcoin Unlimited fork path. And uh, I think that that was really interesting because a lot of the energy that we started with that letter sort of spread to a lot of the rest of the community. And, you know, there was a similar, somebody, somebody organized a similar move in, in Israel. And uh, I think that was sort of the early precursors to what ended up becoming like the UASF movement, the, the user activated soft fork, which activated SegWit and ultimately led to Bcash splitting off. So yeah, I think that was, it didn't seem like that big of a deal at the time, but now looking back at that, that, is just like an absolutely epic moment. That's awesome, man. Okay, fuck. I need to ask you something then, which I don't want to bring it up. None of us probably want to talk about this shit. But, and let, let's let's talk about it quickly and move on. But do you think ordinals and all this shit is something to be worried about, concerned about, even worth giving a time to think about, something that we should think of as an attack? Where Where do you stand on ordinals in a... As quickly as possible, because I fucking hate her. Yeah. Um, I believe that anyone should be allowed to use the block space that they pay for however they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and ordinals are fucking lame. Right on. That's yeah, I, I agree. But it it's not like an, it's definitely not an attack vector like what you guys had seen in the past with the block size. It, it's nothing even comparable to that shit. Do you, th- would you agree? Yeah, I don't, I don't see it as being a massive threat like that. Okay. Um, the, the thing that worries me more is that the process by which Taproot was activated, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, has empowered this whole thing. I, I feel like it's too easy to change Bitcoin right now and has been too easy. And a lot of that comes from sort of the negative consequences of that user activated soft fork. And I think we are rapidly approaching a time and place where we might want to say, you know what, like, that's it. We don't need any more changes. Right on. Yeah. 
it's too, it's too important. I, like we don't, I, there, nothing else needs to, I don't know. Obviously we can't see the future, but it seems like Bitcoin could just stay exactly as it is right now. And, or, well, actually this is a good question too. Then do you think Bitcoin could have stayed exactly as it was in version, you know, like when Satoshi launched it, do you think it could still, uh, have the impact it has today? If, if no changes had ever been made, um, it certainly would have the same impact. There would be some major problems with usability as compared to today. So things like Xpubs and, um, you know, you know, um, partially signed transactions. There's a lot of stuff that we use today that makes like all of our wallets work. Um, I think those are pretty obviously positive changes. Mm-hmm. It, it, it hasn't changed like the core of the fundamental value proposition of Bitcoin, which is the, the scarcity and the, the fixed issuance. And so I think Bitcoin still would have thrived just probably more slowly. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Cause that, that's what I like to think about a lot too. Like if, if we go to, <laughs> let me know if you agree with this thought or not, if anything gets too fucking far out of hand and we make too many changes to Bitcoin, literally somebody could just go back, run Bitcoin version 0.1 and just start over. It's kind of my like end of the end of the world. Everything's fucked. We still have Bitcoin 0.1 if if need be. Do you think that's a a logical thought to have, or am I am I out of out of bounds? Yeah, there? I mean, I, I don't know if that would be the place to go back to. Yeah, I feel like you know somewhere like the I certainly wouldn't go back any further than like right before the user activated soft fork. Okay. Um, and realistically, if you went back like two years, you'd probably be pretty good also <laughs> so do you think do you think taproot was just a mistake all in um no not necessarily i just i'm, I'm not overly concerned with taproot itself i'm yeah. concerned with the fact that the change was made so easily right and that it seems like a lot of the people that advocated for the change and ultimately drove the change uh didn't really understand what they were doing yeah i taproot kind of that whole narrative was the main thing when when i was coming in when we were coming in and i didn't really know i didn't understand it i didn't get it most of the people that i uh listened to in the space said it was a good thing i I tried to understand it but you know you got you got to really know the technical side of shit and so i didn't know and everybody was very excited about it yeah just looking back it's it's one of those lessons hopefully I don't know, man. I'm kind of on team. Just ossify Bitcoin now. <laughs> that's my new. That's my new thing. Just no more changes. We'll be fine. But maybe that's a mistake too. It's hard to. It's hard to say. Yeah, I think it's near. Like it's certainly at a point of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. And I don't see anything out there that like is entirely necessary. Like if nothing else got added, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't bother me. Is there anything that, is there any way you think Bitcoin can fail then? Is there any sort of idea that you've thought of that hasn't been implemented yet where like, okay, Bitcoin, Bitcoin has failed now? Um, there, there's like open questions about the security budget 
um, and the fee market. Mm -hmm. I think trying to keep uh, non-financial transactions out of the block space uh, does nothing to support the fee market. So in that case, you could say that ordinals are good for the long-term security budget of Bitcoin. Um, that doesn't overly worry me. I think that uh, I see Bitcoin becoming uh, more and more useful over the years. And as a result, the fee for block space will be going up and up. And I think that we've seen that happen so far. You know, the the block reward in, in dollar terms has continued to go up. And so I think we're probably going to continue to see that. I don't worry too much about that. Um, there's always the chance of like some unforeseen technical problem that kills Bitcoin someday. Um, if that doesn't happen, I think there's a very good chance that Bitcoin has passed uh, like the point of no return. Um, if if all the, all the governments of the world made a large concerted effort to ban Bitcoin, like outright ban it as illegal right now, um, you know, the, the hash rate would go way down. But I don't think, um, I don't think it would actually harm Bitcoin. You know, there's, there's never really been a, a successful ban of anything. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a lot easier to move Bitcoin around the world than it is cocaine. And they've been trying to <laughs> try to stop that for a while. And it's not going so well. That's true. Yeah, I know. I kind of, so, I'm looking forward to the day when Bitcoin is illegal. I think that'll be a, a good, a good day for Bitcoin. <laughs> it'll be it'll be nice to move on from all this legal tender shit i'm like ah, i can just send this stuff and nobody can tell me yay or nay so it's it's gonna be fine if it's illegal i'm not too concerned about that okay uh, a little fun question for you then um hardware wallets are such a major part of a bitcoiner's life now where when did do you remember when you saw your first hardware wallet and do you do you think they're necessary do you think that they're yeah, what what is your view on hardware wallets being somebody that's been a Bitcoiner for so long? They're absolutely not necessary. Yeah. Um, you you know, your the the best security available is not a hardware wallet. It's a an old ass computer that uh, does not have an internet connection. That's just not very easy to set up and not very uh, nice to use and not actually all that much safer. Realistically, hardware wallets are a pretty good solution. Um, yeah, I mean, like we didn't always have them. And like when they first became a thing, they didn't, uh, they didn't really take off immediately. Like we had them in our store and like we'd maybe sell a hardware wallet to like one in 20 people back then. Whereas now we, we sell hardware wallets in our offices in Calgary and Edmonton and pretty much 100% of new users uh, choose to get a hardware wallet. So, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they make it easy. And there's also an element of coolness that people like feel like a mad scientist when they're using this crazy new device. And I think that helps drive some of uh, why people like Bitcoin. Yeah, that, that I think that's a major part of it. You know, uh, CoinKite and VK just came out with the new Blackberry looking <laughs> hardware wallet and everybody's freaking out about it. It's like, yeah, it looks cool. 
it, it looks cool, but <laughs> this will actually lead into my next question. It's like, I don't want to spend sats on that shit. I don't, I want to buy as little, as few things as possible for the rest of my life so I can buy as much Bitcoin as possible. Um, a lot of Bitcoiners talk about, you know, never you just toddle your Bitcoin. Don't, don't sell it. Obviously don't sell it. And there's some people that say don't spend it. I know that you're not in that camp, or at least I've heard that you're not in that camp. I'm not sure if you're still there. Um, I'm curious, do you feel, what does it feel like looking back knowing you've spent, I don't know, tens or hundreds of Bitcoins on things and now you're living your life and you could have had all those Bitcoins, but uh, how how do you rationalize your purchases how how do you yeah i guess that's the fucking question how do you rationalize buying fucking anything ever because you know that your bitcoin is going to go up in value yeah so two two things um first of all if you're not spending or selling your bitcoins it's because you have too much fiat in the first place because you need fiat to live so if you're not selling and spending your bitcoin then you're not all in um I'm, I'm very close to being all in Francis is all in. He doesn't have a bank account. He hasn't had a bank account in, I don't know how many years. Fucking love Francis. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and when you don't have a bank account, you got to sell your Bitcoins. You got to pay your bills. You got to pay your rent. Um, so there's nothing wrong with selling, uh, your Bitcoin in that sense. Um, and the other one, like, so I've got some horrific stories of spending many, many Bitcoins, but uh, not even close to the worst one, but super interesting is when we opened that store in 2013, um, I spent about 120 Bitcoins to buy the furniture for the store. And all I've got left is this one like desk drawer pedestal, which is now my like... So instead of selling your chairs to get Bitcoin, you sold your Bitcoin to get chairs? Yeah, literally. Oh, and, and I don't even have the chairs Jeff, yet. How can we even go on? Right? It's rough, man, so. but it, it, it's guys it's guys like you that show us the way. You know, this is a bad idea. So, yeah, like, how, how does that affect your fucking mental state, man? Like, for real? Like, well, do you just lose well, sleep over that shit or what? No, well, here's the, here's the thing. So, if nobody had ever sold them, then nothing like there never would have been a, a Bitcoin community. There never would have been a Bitcoin space. Right. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't have opened that store, like I probably would have made way more money going and getting a normie job and quietly stacking sats. I'd probably have a lot more wealth right now. Uh, having gotten into Bitcoin when, when I did, but what I gained from that experience of starting that store, you know, learning about Bitcoin, getting deeply immersed into the Bitcoin community, um, like that's defined my whole life. That's worth way more than the the wealth that I've uh, failed to accumulate, mm-hmm. I suppose you could say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there must be, and I'm not going to speculate on how many Bitcoins you have. I'm sure that you've lost them all at the bottom of the ocean along the way. But like, there must be a certain point you get to where, I don't know, I think about, like, I'm I'm just a poor guy, man. I, I think about accruing massive wealth. There must be a certain point, especially being a Bitcoiner, where you're like, I have so much that I don't, 
you reach a certain point where you don't need anymore. And obviously your motivations shift towards uh, away from acquiring money and towards doing what the fuck it is you want to do. So with that in mind, like you, you, you reach a point where you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. This is one of the main things that people that are living in the fiat slave system that switch over to Bitcoin start to work towards is I'm going to save my Bitcoin so that I can live a better life. Um, what kind like, what are your future goals, man? Now that you've been here for so long, what, what are you looking toward the future to do? Um, yeah. What's your dream? Well, what are your dream? What are your I current am, dreams? Yeah, I am. I am way too poor for my goals. I hear um, you. I hear you. I want to buy a country. <laughs> Countries so don't I exist need, anymore I, soon I, enough. I need, I need to save up. Fair enough. So, so you just get a small one, <laughs> a small country, just one small country, one small Bitcoin brains country to go to war against Francis's Bitcoin jungle just for the fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, I hear you. But yeah, but like in all in all seriousness, what uh, what, what have you thought about what you, what your future goals are? <laughs> like, are you just sticking with Bitcoin? I'm, well, I'm, and I'm then you. That I- I'm saying that in all seriousness, I am intending to buy a country. <laughs> okay, right on. <laughs> I believe it. We're going to see some crazy shit happen in the world, man. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, but uh, yeah, yeah, you say that seriously. I, I, I believe shit like shit like that's going to happen, right? Because we're going to get to a point where con- every fucking country is going to default. Somebody's going to have to step in and lead them. And all these Bitcoiners are going to be like, I have tens of sats. I can buy whatever the fuck I want and we, yeah, we can reshape the world. So is that kind of, is that kind of what you, where your head's at? Like let's reshape how society functions. And the only way to do that is to be a leader of said country or area province, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Right. I think uh, the smallest possible government, which provides only the protection of physical safety and property rights and no other services whatsoever is the the ideal that I hope for someday. Right on, right on. Yeah, no, I, I can appreciate that. I think uh, it it's weird, man. Yeah, like the your mind just kind of goes crazy when you start thinking about the future Bitcoin world and what what can be possible. So. Yeah, guys like you that are aiming towards actually changing shit. I appreciate it. Personally, me, I'm just like, uh, I'll just buy like a little plot of land and chill by myself. I don't escape whatever madness is going on. Uh, I'm not the the war war going type to go and fight against all the fiat bullshit. But I think think it's going to be necessary as well. So I appreciate you. Um, I kind of want to bring this up. I don't know where you stand on it. you're comfortable saying where, where you're from, right? I think we've already said it. You're in. Okay. So in Alberta, um, we have Daniel Smith and I just kind of, I'm kind of curious what, what your stance on her is. Cause I'm still trying to figure it out. Like per, I, I'll, I'll answer it myself. Personally, I'm kind of anti-government. I don't really give a fuck what they say. I, it do, doesn't really matter to me. I, I'll just stay out of it. But that said, I did move from Ontario to Alberta because the government was so fucked and Daniel Smith seems like she's got her head on her shoulders and she's saying the right shit. And at least, you know, it, it's she's still a politician, but it's still good to have somebody in our corner. So 
can you share some thoughts on her? And if you don't want to, that's completely fine too. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, I've uh, I've been on her radio show a bunch of times. She is a Bitcoiner. Um, she lost a bunch of coins in Quadriga, unfortunately. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like she's like, she is still a politician, but she's like the least bad option. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of of two minds because part of me thinks that if the NDP gets into power again next time, then the chances of Alberta separation actually go way up. Uh, mm-hmm. But we have a really bad four years um, with communists in power looting the province again. Um, I think that the backlash from that might be more likely to drive independence, which is my preferred path. Um, you, hold on. You think like a fucking civil war of Alberta, if NDP goes in, all the people that are against the NDP are going to just put up their middle fingers and say, we're not part of you anymore. That's, that's where, what you're uh, thinking. No, could you guys, even... for the, for the Americans in the group, could you explain what the fuck sure. N- NPR is or whatever? ND- yeah. And yeah. Uh, you wanna, yeah. You so, We've kind of got two main parties here in Alberta. Um, One is the United Conservative Party, the UCP. They're the right-wing party. The other, which is uh, pretty far left, uh, is the New Democratic Party, uh, the NDP. And uh, Alberta being sort of like the center of conservatism in Canada um, for almost our entire history has voted conservative. Until very recently, we had a government formed by the NDP and it was, it was really bad. It was, it was a dark time for the province that drove a lot of business away and they were very resoundingly defeated. Um, now we've got this new conservative leader. Um, she has, we, we, we had a fairly unpopular conservative leader. Uh, part of the reason that he was very unpopular is because he really just caved in to the globalists on every single detail of COVID and locked us down. Was that, just as was that as Doug Ford? Else. No, that he's, uh, that, he's Ontario. Yeah, he's that Ontario. was okay. Jason Kenney, but very, very similar, like okay. supposedly conservative, but actually a globalist. And um, now Daniel Smith, who ha- has some history in politics and was most recently a radio host, um, has won the leadership and has really taken it into a way more rational direction. So We've got things like we just had a, a, a national offer for increased healthcare funding from our, our uh, very left-leaning uh, government. And uh, one of the conditions for that extra healthcare funding was that Alberta Institute of Digital ID, which um, very likely is one of those precursors to the central bank digital currency and the social credit system, just like China's got... Um, and our, our premier now, Daniel Smith, said in no uncertain terms, there will be no digital ID in Alberta. So I think we're going in the right direction. They're at least like telling them to fuck off on the right stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm still just like ready to be disappointed at any moment. <laughs> okay. Mo- most importantly, though, um, so one thing we haven't even brought up um, that's really important. Um, I am widely known 
as the strongest and best looking Bitcoin <laughs> entrepreneur in Canada. Yes. Sorry. I meant to bring that up at the beginning. And, I failed. Um, so we, we, there was this, this conference where Daniel Smith was the MC, uh, this blockchain conference and Adam O'Brien for the CEO of Bitcoin. Well, was, uh, having like a fireside chat with Daniel Smith. Uh, this is before she was premier. And, uh, so he brought up my, my title as strongest and best looking Bitcoin entrepreneur in Canada. And he was basically trying to trying to talk shit, but then the perfect thing happened was her reaction was, she was like, well, Dave is very handsome. And so now <laughs> I've got this, it's, it's on my website. There's a video of this. If you go to bitcoinbrains.com and you scroll down to the testimonials section, you will see a testimonial from the now premier of Alberta, Daniel Smith, saying how handsome I am. And you can click that to see the video of her saying it. So that's probably a lot more important than whatever else she's doing. You're fucking, that's awesome, dude. Good for you. Yeah. What a legend. <laughs> so do you, okay. Final point on her. Is she, would you say she's a Bitcoiner or is she a crypto person that gets Bitcoin? Or is she a fucking Bitcoiner like like us? Um, she, <coughs> I don't think it's dug deep into the space at all. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure she didn't own, I don't know if she owns Bitcoin again now. I know she lost all her Bitcoin. <laughs> um, and literally like, I think I was probably on her show like four or five times. Uh, ben Perrin, BTC Sessions was on there a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. Francis was on there. And like, we all told her to get her coins off Quadriga. <laughs> she just didn't. Jeez. That's rough. Yeah. So I, I hope she's got Bitcoin again. Um, I know that the, like, generally the government is very open to Bitcoin and to our sector. So like we're putting on uh, the, the Bitcoin rodeo here, our conference in July. And uh, yeah, we're, I don't know who we're going to have yet. We've got, we're hoping that, she'll come but being the premier her schedule might be tight so we're definitely going to have some engagement from the government right on that'll be I good at the conference yeah i want to i want to dig into the conference a little bit uh what are you guys what are you guys planning on doing that's going to separate you from you know the ontario just announced it's like a battle man ontario just announced yeah. the canadian bitcoiners conference and we got the bitcoin rodeo so how do we make them look like a bunch of fools what do we do <laughs> Well, uh, I really like those guys. I don't want to make them look like. No, I know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fucking we can. Uh, we are actually going to have, uh, very likely some bundled tickets with them, which would be cool. Oh, right on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're taking it a little bit of a different direction than where I've seen most of the other conferences out there go. Um, <clears throat> I find when I go to the big Bitcoin conferences, I don't really watch any of the content because it's like. These are the same people that I, I, I follow and I talk to on Twitter. And now they're just having the same conversation that I've seen them already have with the same people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so like, while it's great content, I don't really need to see Robert Breedlove and Michael Saylor talk about hard money. Um, yet again, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So we're kind of trying to take it in a direction. Um, that will be a little bit more broadly appealing 
I think that that kind of content appeals to like this niche in like the middle of Bitcoin expertise because it's over the heads of new people. And for people that are like very immersed in the space, you can only see it so many times. I'm hoping to create uh, content that will be useful to people that are brand new as well as experts and everyone in between. So with that said, it's, it's going to be a little bit more broad. Um, we're doing some fun stuff like we've got uh, a free event to open the conference. So the first like hour and a half is free for anybody who wants to attend. And it's basically, you know, why Bitcoin and then how. <coughs> and uh, yeah, we're going to have a little bit more uh, of a focus on networking. So we'll have a little bit longer breaks, a little bit more structure to the networking stuff. And then um, just some cool, like out of the box stuff you would normally see. So we've got like uh, a Bitcoin elevator pitch competition. <laughs> See who's got the best elevator pitch. Uh, we've got like the bad Twitter takes award, um, and we're gonna do a we're gonna do a Bitcoin merchandise fashion show. Um, okay. So, all kinds of cool stuff like that, and it's gonna be like it's gonna just be more fun than other conferences. Is the the short answer more more of the vi Did you go to? You must have been a Pacific Bitcoin with uh, what Corey Clipson put on, kind of that kind of vibe, yeah. where there's just like basketball court and whatever else going on. So yeah, I mean, that's more what you're aiming for. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of in that direction for sure. Um, okay. I think we're going to be more fun than that. It's going to be, right on. uh, it's going to be a really cool event and we're, it's going to hopefully be one that a lot of people watch a lot of the content. Is it at the stampede grounds? Uh, we are not yet announcing the venue because okay. we're still sort of negotiating, but it's going to be, it's not going to be at stampede grounds. Okay. Um, it's th this happens right before the stampede. So, we're on the Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the technical first night of Stampede is the Thursday. So okay. we're like, we're hoping that that'll bring a lot of people into town that, you know, would otherwise maybe not travel for a Bitcoin conference, but might go for both. Oh, dude, that's going to be so fun because all the Bitcoiners will be here for the Stampede. We'll just have a fucking yeah. party. What a blast. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be a good time. All right, man. Right on. Um, Doug, any more questions, man? I feel like we've had a pretty round conversation. You're kind of went. Oh, uh, I, I got to ask then. We we talked about Daniel Smith real quick. What, what's your thoughts on Polivier then? Do you think he's just a, anything to look forward to? Or <coughs> well, I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm the one who orange pilled him. Oh, um, okay. I got to spend about an hour and a half with him at a fundraiser a couple of years ago, and not so long after that, he started. To really banging the drum on inflation. So I'd like to think I had a role in that. Oh, yeah. Um, th this is, I, I think he's really good. Um, but the way that he's handling this, you know, sort of couching his language towards like crypto, blockchain, etc. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of shows what's wrong with our entire political system. Because the reason that he's doing that is not because he doesn't believe in Bitcoin. It's not because he does believe in blockchain. It's because he knows that if he's hitting the drum hard on Bitcoin, that's an angle that the liberals can attack him with. And they're doing it already. Anytime Bitcoin's down, they're like, ha, ha, ha. Aren't you glad you didn't listen to him? I know. I know. Okay, it. So it, it, like, you're right. It is just another politician and they're working in a system that's so twisted and broken 
that it doesn't matter that much how good they are. Yeah. I know it's, uh, that's gonna, yeah, that's what I think too. It, it's very strange that he's pushing the blockchain crypto fucking bullshit narrative, but he, he could just go hard, say, I'm a, I don't know, man. I hope some, some politician comes out like Bukele somewhere in some other country and says, I'm about Bitcoin. Everything else is bullshit. Go fuck yourself, IMF. But, uh, yeah, it might be a little bit much to ask of, a couple Canadian politicians. A few, a few more years. A few more years. Maybe we'll get there. All right, dude. Uh, yeah, Doug. Any any questions? Or show me. Okay. Oh, good 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 roundabout there. Right on. Right on. Okay. Um, Dave, do you use? Or Doug, it's time for. Boost reads. It's party time. That's right. It's time for fountain uh, boost reads. Reads. Uh, Dave, do you use fountain at all? No. No. Are do you listen to very many uh, pod? I guess. Yeah. Do you still absorb a lot of Bitcoin content in any way? Do you watch videos or do you still read the books or have you kind of moved on from that? Like, do you feel like you? Yeah. Yeah, no, I pretty much read everything. Okay, right on. I, uh, um, I like Guy Swan a lot. Yeah. I, uh, I commute to Edmonton and some other places around the province fairly regularly, and uh, that's definitely my go-to is like audiobooks in the car. Okay, right on, right on. Um, okay, so you don't use Fountain, I'll just say. We are appreciative of Fountain here. It's a podcast app that if you listen to it, you can earn sats while you're listening, which is pretty cool. You can also stream sats to the podcast producer. And then finally, you can send boosts of sats where it's you send some sats with a comment attached. And when people do that on our show, uh, we read them out. So, Doug, do you have them uh, pulled up, the boosts from last I am episode? I'm working on pulling them up. I can't. Okay. Out sometimes, dude. It's so irritating. I think I got it. I think I got it. Okay. So, All right, we, yeah. I think there's only one. There's it one. from Butter. We have right? one boost reads from at Butter Bitcoin who says, I'll be having a pocket steak on the slopes Monday in honor of Ben and the start of season five. Cheers, lads. We appreciate you, Butter. Thanks for the boost, man. Uh, Thanks, man. Absolutely. Dave, do you ski or snowboard? No, what? I have pretty bad knees. I have pretty bad knees. Okay, did you ever? Uh not much. If a you... little when I was when I was young, but don't don't let him make you feel bad. Sorry, Dave. no. I, I skied once and I dislocated my shoulder. Fuck skiing. Fuck snowboarding. No, I just think <laughs> I just man, just being out here by the mountains. I mean, I dreamed of always living by the mountains, and now here I am. So anybody that lives out here, I'm like, why don't you take advantage of this? What the fuck is wrong with you? You absolute idiot. But yeah, the mountains are beautiful. So I. I try and get there as often as possible but no i get it bad knees so be it and you have to buy a robotic one with sats in the future that's fine yeah and if you're gonna be buying an island dave can i just suggest that you get on the phone and earn some free sats man i mean every (laughs) sat's gonna count in the future if you're looking to buy a small country get on it bro come on now what are you doing one sat a minute i'm not i'm not looking for a uh an island i'm definitely more of an inland type but uh yeah, I could use more sats. We can all use more. True, sats. true. 
If you if you could, let's just pretend for a second, every country is on Earth is for sale right now. What are you buying? And uh, and you can afford it. Obviously, you, every everyone's for sale, and you can afford it. What are you buying? Calgary. Calgary, and you're going to make it a country. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. because it's home sweet home. This is where yeah. you were born and raised. I, I take it. Uh, I've lived here since I was five. Okay, right on. So, right on. close yeah. enough. That's cool, man. All right, that's cool. Interesting. I don't want to escape the the comfort of home. I no, feel like this is my place, and they cannot have it. That's fair, man. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> it's our last stand as Canada. I <laughs> I understand that sentiment, and like a lot of people say, no, you got to stand your ground. And I'm like, no, see you later, Ontario. I'm getting the fuck out. Of here I, got, I could not care less about this plot of land i'll go where people are cooler and it's uh it's paid off in spades so i appreciate it all right with that um we do one last little segment here doug it's time for why bitcoin presents your weekly price chat that's right it's time for the why bitcoin weekly price check Jeff, do you want to tell them how that works? Okay. So we know here that the price doesn't really matter, especially somebody that started buying Bitcoins when they were $1 and now they're at 20 fucking thousand dollars, which is just absurd. And people still think it's a travesty that we're this quote unquote low right now. It just, it's so funny talking. Oh, the price of Bitcoin is funny. Um, Anyways, we keep it fun here by just keeping track of it. And Doug and I have a little bet on the line. Every season we try and get, well, every episode we guess what we think the price is going to be at the next episode. And then at the end of our season, we tally up who has the most guesses correct. And the winner or the loser gives the winner a pot of sats. Now, Dave, the pot of sats, it starts at 100,000 sats between me and Doug. And if we have a guest on, we ask that you just play. You make a little guess of what you think the price is going to be next week. And if you are closer than me or Doug, we add 5,000 sats to the pot that we split amongst ourselves. So I think last season it got up to what, 115, 120,000 sats? Yeah, I think it was 110, something like that, yeah. So so Dave, if you're open to a little uh, (laughs) price speculation, uh, we can do that. Are you cool with that idea? Sure. Okay, right on. So so last week, week, uh, Jeff was the uh, bull. At twenty three thousand one twenty three forty five, I was the uh, middle of the road twenty two thousand eight ninety four oh five, and our guest Dan from uh, from High Hash Rate, he was dude. He was like fucking spot on, twenty one thousand seven twenty one and twenty one cents. And right now, according to TimeChainStats.com, we're looking at twenty one thousand seven hundred and twenty four and fifty nine cents. So like he was less than five dollars off. So that means Jeff, we're at what one hundred and five now. We're we're three episodes in, and we're a hundred. We're already at one hundred and five thousand. Dan so was that's five dollars off. What the hell? Five dollars. What kind off, of tea dude. is he smoking over there? I that's don't. Insane. I don't. You know. I don't know. But maybe I need to start smoking pot because like, <laughs> if he's, he's going to be that accurate, Jesus Christ! Just a little All edible right. will get you to uh, figure out what the price of Bitcoin is. Thanks, Dan. We appreciate you. <laughs> that's love that's you, wild. Dan. All right, yeah, dude. That's pretty cool. So, All right. So, 
Dave, what we're going to do is we're going to take 30 seconds. It's going to be an actual 30 seconds. Jeff and I write down the answers so we're not like trying to copy off each other or cheat or whatever. It's kind of an honor system sort of a thing. And that 30 seconds is going to start right now. Oh, and yeah, we're, we're guessing for what the price is going to be one week from exactly this moment, basically. So it's going to start right now. As our guest, Dave, we welcome you to go first, my friend. All right. Well, it seems fairly obvious to me that um, the price of Bitcoin one week from today will be $20,830.08. All right. Got it. You're locked in. So your good friend Madex, when we had him on, we played this game with him and he guessed $4 million. And he was pretty close, but wasn't wasn't quite there. Madex <laughs> <laughs> the best, man. It's awesome. All right, Doug, uh, are you next? Yeah, I'll go next. That's fine. Uh, I think with all the alien activity you guys got going on up there at the border, uh, we're going to see a little price spike at $24,444.44. Ooh, okay. I'm in the middle then. I went $21,212. In twenty-one cents, we're all pretty. We're all pretty tight 21. here. Yeah, yep. We're all very close. Yeah, here. well, we've 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 had a long time of sideways action, so I think I think most of this season is going to be very, very Side. crab walky. So I do want to ask Dave this question because I know that uh, seeing the cycles, and I I, I watched you on uh, Ben's program from a little while back. Do you feel like we've seen and? We don't talk about the, the price that often. I, I say that too often. Maybe we do talk about the price too often. Anyways, do you think we've seen the bottom? Nope. No way? Eh? Okay. One word answer. I'm not paying too yeah. much stupid shit. Still have a ways to go down before. Yeah, I could see that too. I don't know, man. It seemed like 15 was pretty harsh, but if we go lower, I'm, I'm fine. Cheap sass, man. Laser what? eyes till ordinals die. <laughs> that's, the, that's the new one. Okay, right on. All right, Dave, dude, we appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Um, definitely, we'll give you a minute here to uh, shill all your stuff, let people know where to find Bitcoin Well and your Twitter and any, anything else you want to share. Rodeo, a website for the rodeo yeah. and all that shit. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, of course, Bitcoin Well, uh, you can check us out at bitcoinwell.com. Uh, it is straight up the fastest and cheapest place you can buy Bitcoin. And I would challenge anyone to find a cheaper place to buy Bitcoin in Canada. Um, Bitcoin Rodeo, uh, you can follow that on Twitter as thebitcoinrodeo.com or thebitcoinrodeo and find it on bitcoinrodeo.com. Uh, that is in Calgary, Alberta on July 4th and 5th. We'd like to invite everyone to come. It's a great time to be in Calgary. Um, and then, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter as Bitcoin Brains and uh, find a lot of interesting information on my website at BitcoinBrains.com. 
Right on, man. Thanks so much. We appreciate you. Uh, Doug, who won? Oh, Dan won. So who takes it out? Dan won. You go ahead and take it out, bud. Okay, I'll take it out. I trust you. Okay, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the White Bitcoin Podcast. We appreciate you. Definitely, if you're not following fucking Bitcoin Brains on Twitter, go do that. What a legendary account. Absolutely. Uh, thanks again, Dave, for coming on. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to support the show, consider just sharing it with a friend, man. Uh, new Bitcoiners or old Bitcoiners alike, maybe they'll uh, get some value out of this. The best way to, to help us out is to just sh- share the show. We appreciate that. Uh, listen to podcasts on Fountain because it's cool. Oh, shit, Doug. We uh, completely forgot our sponsor spot. Oh, we did. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to put it in at the beginning. Okay. I'll just do I'll just do a read at the beginning. Solid ad. We're real podcasters now. We we out here. Okay, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, oh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, what the fuck is my handle? Sly Goomba. Doug, you are bearded hoddle. Right on. Uh, and as always, if ever you're standing outside and you're thinking to yourself and you're looking at the sky and you're just wondering what why not just stop and just wonder why what okay cut all right i should probably stop it you did not